Hello, and welcome to a show that we are calling the Space Case Sarah Show with the space nerds, Kavi Rose and Benjamin Salas. And I will introduce these co-hosts in just a second here, but I really wanted to thank everyone who has been listening to iRock Space Radio over this past year. We have been on such an adventure. It's been so exciting, and I cannot be any more grateful for the support of everyone who has been listening. So thank you so much for supporting iRock Space Radio. As a reminder, you can go to irockspaceradio.com and you can find information to sign up for our uh, it's a crew club. And we are also usually doing some sort of a giveaway or a promotion. So make sure you head over there and sign up for those things because who doesn't want free stuff? I just, I don't think that that's possible, right? <laughs> who doesn't want free stuff? So these episodes, we have decided in true space nerd fandom are going to be named after elements of the periodic table. And so with that, <laughs> we of course had to start with episode one being hydrogen because I felt like it would have been almost like sacrilegious to, to not choose hydrogen for episode one. <laughs> and uh, let me introduce these co-hosts of mine. First is Kavi Rose all the way from the land down under. And uh, Kavi, would you like to introduce yourself and then also introduce what segment you're going to regularly add to this show? Uh, sure, Sarah. Um, thank you for that warm, energetic introduction. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here with you and with Ben. Um, my background is astrophysics. I'm currently a grad student at the University of Sydney uh, working on radio astronomy. I study stars both within the galaxy and outside the galaxy, doing lots of cool things. And I love science communication. That's why I'm here. So outside of the research, I try to share as much of that as I can with other people. Um, and one way that I'm going to be doing that is with my regular segment on this show, uh, sharing fun facts, um, fun facts about space, about science. I got a lot to say about hydrogen, I promise you. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to it. That is awesome. And uh, do you have a quick fun fact about hydrogen right now? Ooh, hy hydrogen. Yes. Um, basically, the only... Oh, I think Ben's got one afterwards as well. <laughs> Ben's got one too. Okay, we'll get to you. <laughs> like, go ahead. I, I just think that, it's, that it, it's, just, it's just wild to me, like, what a role that hydrogen actually plays in the universe and how hydrogen is... Hydrogen and helium were pretty much the only things created by the Big Bang at the start of the universe. You know, something like nearly 80% hydrogen... 25% uh, or so helium and a little bit of lithium and some other kind of isotopes hanging around there. But like most of the stuff that was created was just hydrogen. And from those basic building blocks, we ended up with everything else, you know, all of the complex chemistry that makes us up. And to me, that's just, that's just wild. That's amazing. And isn't that so aprioso for an episode like this? I think that it is, that is perfect. Benjamin. Totally. Do you, do you, I, I, I don't know why I haven't thought of asking you this before. And do you like Ben or do you like Benjamin? Uh, let's, well, let's, considering the fact that my mother might listen, let's go with Benjamin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, hi, Benjamin's mom. Uh, well, Benjamin, why don't you introduce yourself and the segment that you're going to be contributing to this show? Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Benjamin Salas. Uh, I am a SciComm science communicator. For a long time now, I run a page called Science Actually on Facebook, and it's got a 
quite a large audience and um, getting into podcasting is something I've been hoping to do for a long time, especially with great talents like you guys. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'll be bringing to the table, well, we're going to have some fun talking about everything. Oh, we will. Uh, but I, I'm going to be yeah. uh, doing the, uh, on this day in science, or if this is going to be weekly on this week, this past week in science history, um, things that were invented, scientists who were born, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was going to totally jump on that hydrogen is 80% of the universe thing. Oh, he stole your thunder. So fitting big, for an Australian. That was my one big, uh, because of the time zones. We're ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He beat me to it. He's ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they have some segments that they're going to be bringing each week. And, but we also have some, some segment ideas that we're going to be rotating throughout the month. Um, like, uh, we want to highlight maybe organizations or companies who are making positive changes through science. Uh, we might do something along the lines of a space sound of the day or the week, which we could totally mm -hmm. integrate some giveaways into that. And, uh, like you said, space birthdays, and we just have so many awesome ideas percolating. I think that, um, we are not going to struggle having really cool segment things throughout each month. And I'm also really excited that you guys are really excited to also do a probably once a month live stream totally. that we will do yes. on, on Facebook and YouTube. And, uh, I think I love, so both of these guys, by the way, to our listeners are huge fans of puns and memes and <laughs> all things witty. Benjamin, I know, is a very big fan of whiskey. So our live streams, no. we think, are going to be called The Space Bar because mm. it is, uh, it's punny. And, um, <laughs> so and we will have beverages with our Space Bar. So uh, sure. we will announce at some point what the time and day that will be for those. But in the meantime, we are just... Uh, this hydrogen episode is just for us to get to know each other a little bit better and for the audience to get to know us as well. So most of the audience knows who I am and my backstory as Space Case Sarah very well. Um, why don't we finish this first segment, though? Maybe let's uh, let's let's talk about baby Kavi. Let's start with you. Baby Kavi, when when did your mind go, wow, I want to be a scientist or, you know, what what was that moment for you? <laughs> oh my gosh i mean what, all what the did you look coffee. like too <laughs> baby i was i i had blonde hair and blue eyes until i was like oh. three or four years old yeah oh, wow yeah that, that we're was gonna need some photos world. of that um those photos may or may not be redacted i will have to <laughs> check the archives on those <laughs> but yeah i was oh wow totally totally different world and time and i think I, I was just interested in everything as a kid and I gravitated actually more toward the humanities. I thought that history was super exciting and interesting. I loved arguing. I always thought I was right. So naturally I was actually <laughs> planning on being a lawyer, um, kind of Ooh. the furthest thing that you can think of from astrophysics. And um, yeah, I mean, I had a whole series of interesting life experiences that brought me to where I am now. I basically found myself one day in an isolated place, looking up at the sky, uh, having a bunch of really cool night vision equipment that I could use to amplify the starlight and see just how many stars there are around us. Um, 
also that whole thing of like looking out into the sky rather than up at the sky was something that like blew my mind and uh between all those wonderful things and you know getting to hear from incredible scientists and be inspired by incredible scientists like Carl Sagan I, I found myself just fascinated with space and the cosmos and you know despite being more of a humanities person at that time I basically turned my life around at the age of I think it would have been about 21 and said okay I need to learn math I need to learn physics these are the the tools that I'll need in my tool belt to study the universe and I've not looked back since I love it Beautiful. and Benjamin hmm. oh, well actually well, first of all Benjamin's mom um, if you have baby pictures of baby Benjamin, I'm going to need those submitted. Uh, you can, you can reach out to me on social wild. media. We're going to get that. We're going to get those. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, uh, you know, when did, when did you start on this path? Uh, yeah. Uh, Kobe hit the nail on the head with uh, Carl Sagan. I remember when I was a kid and they, the Carl Sagan Cosmos show was new. And uh, my dad was just fascinated with it, and I watched it with him, and it was great. And I have a specific memory of the very first time I heard in one of the episodes when Carl Sagan said, the sun is a star, but close up. I, I had my whole, like, oh, my God moment as a little kid, and I stood <laughs> in front of my dad. It's like, is that for real? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And then I asked right away the question, does that mean there's more Earths and more Benjamins around all the other ones? <laughs> and he said yes Just, okay. you know, that's a good answer for a kid and uh i've been in love wow. with science ever 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 since my whole life um in college i studied film and animation because i heard it was an easy a and it was <laughs> it was a very easy a. um but towards the end of uh college i was realizing i'm kind of wasting my time here uh, this is fun. I'm talking about cartoons with my best friends, one of whom's my brother-in-law now. And um, so I enrolled in an astrophysics class just because I wanted to get back on the right path. And uh, the teacher didn't want to let me in. He saw the, the attendance list on the first day and he saw, you know, physics majors, physics major, physics major, film major. Like, what are you doing here? One of these ones is not like the others. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He thought it was a joke and everyone laughed at me. And then uh, I confided him that my my secret that I've been keeping from my other classmates is that I've been reading all the science textbooks, like (laughs) off to the side where no one could see. So he took, I had to take a placement test and I passed. And he was surprised. I was surprised, but I still had to finish my TV film. So back to film I went. But, uh, I never stopped loving science. I bumped into a buddy of mine. And I made a buddy and a, a friend at a company I worked at. And again, he, he noticed me very secretly reading a NASA article <laughs> on my monitor when no one was looking. It was at a sports company. And I noticed he was reading a National Geographic article when no one was looking. <laughs> and uh, together we started you know, compiling all the articles that we liked. And from that grew Science Actually, which I've been doing for just years and years and years. And... Uh, Every single meme you see online about, you know, uh, <laughs> if you ask a scientist or a science fan to explain something about science, they'll do it. And that's <laughs> right? what I do. And every single family dinner, I'm ready to sit down with, with my father, who's oh my a science fan. My nephew is an astrophysicist at UC Berkeley. He just, he's going to start in the fall. And we sit down and have these long discussions about, you know, infinities and whatever. And I just listen to them, listen to them talk. And it's just, it's a dream. 
That's amazing. Yes, science is wow. it's truth. I just have this vision of you like with a hooded sweatshirt or like a trench coat or something, like hiding in the corner, cracking oh, open gosh. a physics book, and like you know, like like this. Oh, dark, there was a great like this dark seedy thing. <laughs> oh my god, there's a great scene in my house many years ago. I'm up late in the living room, and it's dark, and I'm in the corner on my laptop. And uh, my wife comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And she takes the laptop <laughs> away. And she's like, Pluto? What, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, New Horizons is on the way to Pluto. I'm like reading. It's going there really, really fast. That, 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 was, that, that, that was it. I got busted in the worst way reading about Pluto. And now you're here. <laughs> and also commonality between the three of us is Carl Sagan being profoundly influential mm-hmm. Um a lot of people know that I have a Voyager and Carl Sagan's handwriting tattooed on my back. So that is, you know, obviously something very, very bonding. I think amongst almost every science communicator that I've ever bumped into is that we all say Carl Sagan truly just changed the game and inspired us all. Absolutely. With that, we're going to um, we're going to wrap up this first segment. I would love for you all to shout out your handles. So uh, I am Space K Sarah. You can find me at Space K Sarah 22 on Instagram. And you can just find me at Space K Sarah everywhere. TikTok, Twitter, everywhere. How about you guys? Go ahead, Connor. Uh, I am... Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you can also find me uh, at, at Fun Fact Science on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, The Clock app. Everywhere, I'm on all the good platforms for <laughs> procrastination. <laughs> yes. uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Actually Science. You can find me on TikTok at Science Actually. Oh. Somebody beat me to the other one. Oh, no. uh, and um, yeah, yeah, I'm on Instagram, <laughs> Science Actually. Uh, I have a Science Actually Twitter handle, which I never touch. So on okay. Twitter, just find Benjamin Salison. All right. Well, you can find us on all the all the platforms. And yeah, this is so exciting. I cannot wait to really uh, get into the rhythm and the flow of this. And like I said, we have so many cool ideas for this show. And I really hope to be doing lots of giveaways and interacting with our audience. So you are listening to the Space K Sarah show with my space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin here on iRock Space Radio. Welcome back to the Space K Sarah show with the space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin. And I think space nerds might be a badge of honor for you both, because that is like an understatement considering your backgrounds and your interests. And uh, something I like to talk about in my shows are the things that are happening in the news. And something that caught my eye was a certain country that said, we're pulling out of the ISS. And then went, wait, never mind. So I... Zimbabwe. Uh, Zimb- yes. How did you guess? Yeah. yeah. I, I, so I figured, you know, maybe we could start by talking about that. But then, you know... Uh, wherever the the wind may take us this episode is fine with me you know we only have what one one atom to this episode because it's the hydrogen Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but uh yeah what do you guys think about that so russia said that they were pulling out of the iss goodbye and now they're like never mind nope that was a misunderstanding i think they've been wanting to go for a while uh it's been a rocky year for them 
with the ISS. Um, sure. Twice they accidentally turned on their thrusters and started pushing ISS out of position. Right. Uh, they they sent up a uh, a film crew with an actress. Nobody really yeah. wanted them there, and they went anyway. I didn't and hear anything during about her either. stay. That was during. I was one of the uh, the thruster misfires. I think they did that on purpose really? to, to get it for probably to film a scene. That's my guess. I wasn't there, obviously, but I think it's irresponsible, and I think they're treating it as you know, it's an old piece of junk. Let's make a new right. one. China's got one. It looks like you're inside of an iPod. And right. so, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, they, want, but they probably want something nicer and fancier, and they probably want to jump on that bandwagon, sure. I'm sure. So I think I if they leave, it's okay. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I will definitely be okay now that we have SpaceX. I didn't hear anything about the movie, though. Have you guys heard anything about that movie? Like, I, I know that, that it happened. But... Okay. Tom Cruise is going to go up and film another one. But... I... Uh, I heard yeah. that as well. He was meant to go. He was meant to go with Axiom Space, and and mm-hmm. I think that got delayed. Um, and then I think after the first Axiom Space mission, they kind of NASA looked at things and they said, "Hmm, maybe we should rethink the whole idea of bringing up civilians to you know a working space station." <laughs> you know, right. like saying that all these missions have to have a current or former NASA uh, astronaut with them to make sure that everything goes smoothly. I mean, even that mission, X-1, which did uh, have a former NASA astronaut on it, there was still a bunch of bumps on the on the mission plan. I think they had to stay up there for a, nearly a week longer than they were planning to. So it's, it's a tight ship, the ISS, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes. They just have to make things make sure things go smoothly. That I was thinking that as well, that, you know, the ISS is... Yes, very much a working laboratory, which is why it doesn't look like an iPod inside because it's been there for a while and they do a lot of stuff. And nice. the the logistics of of a film crew up there, I yeah, I just I, I don't know. It just seems very interesting that they they were kind of okay and open to the idea, but like you said, that it might be being well. I believe Russia chose. Slightly. I think Russia chose two cosmonauts and had experience to go up serve sure. also as the film crew. So it's not like they just sent you know. Joe Schmo with a camera up there. They, they said <laughs> right. it was an actual person who knew what they were doing, but I believe they're, good. they had ulterior motives to just doing the science. NASA also has kind of ulterior motives in, in allowing this sort of thing, because I think that everyone knows that the ISS is sort of winding down its uh, technological relevance. And, and at a certain point, mm-hmm. it's going to be replaced either by different countries having their own modules or private companies like Axiom, you know, having their own modules. So uh, maybe maybe it was a mistake to allow private crews up there, or I'm not sure what happened with the uh, the cosmonauts, whether that was allowed in advance or not. I'd assume it was, but I guess it's all part of this idea of kind of commercializing the resource, uh, making use of it while they still can. Right. And that's something that I know people are fighting for, for the ISS in general, because the you know plan has been announced that it's going to get decommissioned and then sent into the atmosphere and burned up. And there's already mm-hmm. the call to arms of like, no, we can't let that happen. And no, we're going to save the ISS. And part of me is always kind of wondering, well, like who then is going to take care of that? And who's going to fund that? And how are you going to keep it in orbit? Because it needs these capsules that attach to it to throw every so often to keep it in its parabola like who's like i understand how people are very sentimental about things and and i get that but logistically it's one thing to be like save the iss and then another thing to actually do it (laughs) so i mean what it represents is is a pretty big deal i mean 
we've had how many years? Um, I can't, I think it's like on the order of like 15 to 20 years where there has always been some humans who are not on the planet because just consistently yes. they've been astronauts switching I over on like the ISS. Years. And like 21 years? Something like that. that, that that's incredible. Like there, mm-hmm. there, are, <laughs> there, there are people who are legally allowed to drink <laughs> who their entire lives there has always been at least one yeah. human not living on world i mean that like that's a term yeah. from sci-fi right like on world right. on right. planet and the fact that this has been an international collaboration i'm gonna say which is why the whole uh russia pulling out but then being like never mind i think that maybe that's something that they have maybe crossed their mind a little bit later like hmm, we're kind of you know screwing up something that's been a partnership for quite some time so there's more than just you know, stomping your feet and blowing a little smoke. There's, there's more to it than just that. Um, you actually reminded me of something that I like to share when I do sidewalk astronomy. Um, those kind of, those mind blowing facts where you're like, wow, you know, someone's entire life now of legal drinking age has had, (laughs) you know, someone's been off the planet at any given point in time, their entire lives. So someone said this to me once, and I like to say it when I'm showing people the moon, but at some point there's going to be a generation that is the last generation that will look at the moon and there won't be artificial lighting. There won't be a permanent base on the moon mm. anymore. Mm-hmm. No, not great. No, I'd say probably my children's time. They Maybe they can say to their grandkids though, like I remember when there was nothing on the moon and people, you know, <laughs> their grandkids will be like, what? Nothing on the moon? <laughs> Which is so mind blowing to me. Well, there's stuff up there. But no, there's yeah, I mean, using it. <laughs> that's true. Mostly a that's bunch true. of old equipment, and I think uh, uh, poo bags left over from the Apollo astronaut, something like that, right? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Ew. Someone's going to have to clean that up before we uh, <laughs> start. No, no. I think that, that's, that's going to be a serious thing. Like, like littering on other celestial bodies is going to be a big issue in the coming uh, right. decades, if not centuries. Yeah. That's why they Isn't crashed what... Cassini on purpose into Saturn because they didn't want to accidentally crash into Europa where they're right. I mean, uh, Enceladus were because they might be uh, possibly an ocean with microbial life. They didn't want to contaminate it, so send it into Saturn instead. Sure, and that's yeah. kind of like the what why space lawyers are are becoming more of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually know a couple of people on TikTok who are space lawyers and they talk about space law and everyone is like, this is real. And it's like, yeah, actually it's, yeah. it's quite, quite real. I mean, think about us. I mean, this is a great segue into, um, I guess upcoming news, but you know, Artemis and, and SLS and going back to the moon and, and how are we going to regulate that? And China says that they want to go to the moon and how are we going to regulate that? And, and who, who's in charge? And that's what space law is starting to be formed for, for that reason. I just hope nobody sells advertising on the moon, which was an actual proposition by some company that they wanted to land a bunch of, you know, acres of LEDs on the moon. And that way they can, make us a coca-cola or something stupid or horrendous like that um it actually got some traction and it made the news quite a bit a couple of years ago i don't know if they're still in business but i just hope that doesn't happen i want to look at imagine the imagine if like Krispy cream or dunkin donuts turned the moon right. into one giant donut <laughs> national donut donuts day. interplanetary donut same day. size facing us all the time so it wouldn't be hard 
<laughs> mm. When uh, Kavi came as a guest host once for me, uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, the the black hole picture, and he was like, "Yeah," and Krispy Kreme did a donut giveaway, and so you know, therefore, you should support science because yeah, you know, science get donuts. It, it makes sense. Yeah, they did it with uh, with, with uh, perseverance as well when they landed on they Mars. Did, yes, they made the the Krispy Kreme stepped up again and made a Mars donut. I, I remember and that. And I didn't get either of them, which is upsetting. <sighs> I know. I don't have any Krispy Kremes in my town, so that's why I didn't get it that day. But I do remember that happening. That was a good day. That was a good day. That was uh, <laughs> like early Space Case Sarah days when I had just started like becoming Space Case Sarah. And uh, and that's how I ended up with my other spacey tattoo, the Perseverance logo, because I made a bet to myself. I was like, if that rover makes it, I will get a tattoo in its honor, like something small. Um, and then, and then of course, afterward I see the, uh, the parachute and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, now I need to add the parachute to it. And Oh, speaking yeah. of the parachute, Kavi, do you remember yes. what that you could like design your own perseverance parachute by plugging yeah. in some, something secret messages it? and stuff, secret right? Messages. You know who yeah. designed that? That guy right there, Benjamin, <gasps> no. designed the programming for that. Yeah. It was you? Somebody oh, no, that's incredible. Somebody decode I didn't decode it. Somebody decoded what it was. I wanna say someone in India figured it out. But um they figured out there was a hexadecimal code, which is okay, great, and it made sense, great. So I thought, how cool would it be if I could just type Benjamin Salas in the parachute encoded? <laughs> And I ended up writing a simple program and I shared it. And Sarah was a huge fan of it. And she told <laughs> everyone, my God, you beautiful person, you made this thing. <laughs> and, uh, and it got shared all over on Space Hipsters and other various Facebook groups. And it took off a little bit on Twitter for just a, a moment. And yeah, uh, I remember seeing it. I didn't be, realize it was you. You can customize whatever you want and you can print it into a PDF. And I even made a – I was – I even made a version that translated into Braille because, what? yes, somebody who is a science fan and also a teacher of the blind uh, said, oh, my God, what you made is amazing because when they print things from their computer for uh, children who are uh, hard of sight, difficult seeing, whatever, sure, um, big shapes that are, that are filled in, like the red parts of the parachute. And the parts of the mm-hmm. parachute that are not filled in were just outlined. Um, the way their printers work is they add depth to where the ink would be. Mm. So that was very easy to feel their way around the parachute as you wrote in a message. So I made one that you typed in, you know, Benjamin Salas. I figured out what the Braille was. So that way you can print it. It would have the drawing of the parachute, but also would have the dots underneath it in Braille for whatever it is you wrote in your message. That's so that, nerdy. That that's was like the most, that was science for good. Oh my gosh, that's science cool. for good. So cool. Awesome. I love it. That is so mm-hmm. awesome. I that was um, fun. yes, you you have you have a lot of fun with designing things and creating art. And actually, Kavi does too. He's been playing around with some images for our space bar theme, where he's Ooh. integrating pictures uh, from the James Webb Telescope into like traditional art 
uh, yes, famous paintings and stuff thing. like that. It's really clever. So I can't wait mm-hmm. for us to, to unveil all that marketing and stuff like that. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we're going to need to wrap up this segment. And um, I don't know. What, what, what should our last segment, what should we talk about? What would be interesting for you for this very first, you know, for, for this venture in hydrogen, <laughs> the hydrogen episode? Um, why don't you mull it over a little bit? And uh, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll wrap up this Meet Our New Hosts episode and uh, have some more science nerd talk fun. You're Huzzah. listening to the Space K Sarah Show with the space nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, here on IROC Space Radio. Chorizo Gate. We're talking about Chorizo. <laughs> we're, okay. Welcome. Yes. Welcome back. To the Space K Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi Rose and Benjamin Salas. We, we I just hit record right as we were discussing. We, we wanted to talk about hydrogen and, and uh, yes. Can you please fill us in with Chorizo Gate? This is a uh, this is quite a scandal. <laughs> do you want to do it or should I? No, you do it. Go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Chorizo Gate is a huge controversy sweeping the uh, uh, astrophysics and astronomy world right now. <laughs> um, now, whenever, whenever there's a new telescope releasing new data, new images, everyone goes wild. There's always, you know, a flurry of new papers come out. And with James, uh, the James Webb Space Telescope, that was no exception. There were you know, incredible papers about the deepest objects we've ever seen, the furthest objects. I mean, a little bit of controversy there about, you know, how far are they actually? Some objects are, you know, supposedly only 100 million years after the Big Bang. That's how far out, you know, into the distant universe we're looking. But there were a couple of uh, images or one image in particular that really got uh, (laughs) the world going. Um, There was uh, an astrophysicist who had shared uh, an image, this kind of reddish circle pockmark with some whites and some yellow, something that almost looks reminiscent of a a red giant star, and had said, totally ironically, this is a new image from uh, the James Webb Space Telescope, Mm -hmm. but in fact it was a slice of salami. (laughs) Which people lost their minds. Which is a new, by the way, I just wanted to say, I've seen this done so many times when there's like a full moon eclipse kind of thing and it's cloudy. A lot of people in astronomy will slap like a tortilla on a window and be like, look at the full moon. So this isn't a new thing, but for some reason, this took off for, for kind of negative reasons. I think, yeah. People, people. It were was just like, it was innocently done as a joke. The, the scientists who did it admitted it right away. To, you know, it's a gag, but nobody cares. <laughs> people said you misled us, and here's meat, not to star. And you know, and some of the extreme people are like, you know, science is a lie, and they took they ran with that stupid narrative. <laughs> like, oh, they're lying to us. And yeah, okay, 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 okay. I woke up. I woke up to a bunch of messages from people uh, who were, you know, sharing stories from from CNN, from other like you know mainstream media sources with headlines <laughs> like you know scientist apologizes for tricking the world. It's like, <laughs> no, he didn't. It's a joke. <laughs> oh my uh, god! I got it. I got it. Text messages. I got phone calls. I got emails. I got direct messages online from everybody who knows me. Benjamin's gonna love this. Like no, uh, I don't. It's a, I, I get the joke. I thought it was funny, but people believe right? anything they see online. I just think it's also just beautiful that it's like a sausage. I don't know. It's the 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 food 
choice of that too, for some reason, makes it like that much more humorous to me sure. because <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like, it's, it's salted cured meat. And oh my God, science mm. is a lie. Science I, is a lie. Hashtag chorizo gate. Chorizo gate. Go on, go on. <laughs> no, sorry. I, it's just like, I, I, I started getting these messages and so I, I hopped onto Twitter to, you know, shout into the void as one does just to say yeah. like, you know, people should be entitled to make jokes and it's not their fault if, if you don't sure. get them, like you can't get upset. And I went to do hashtag chorizo gate just, you know, thinking, oh, that's a cute idea because everything, you know, every conspiracy is everything gate these days. And it was already a thing. I feel like <laughs> immediately people yeah. were just jumping on that. Yeah. The internet is a, it's a fantastic place. It's also it a, a terrible place, place. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's also fantastic. Living in the strangest timeline. Yeah, we are. <laughs> right. Well, maybe we can make an alternative one. Uh, you know, sure. can you find us a black hole, Kavi, and we'll just uh, figure out a way to get there and we'll jump into an, a parallel time timeline. I think that, that that'll, that's the, sol- uh, the solution to the problem. Solved. Done. I'll Photoshop some spaghetti actually spaghettifying into a black hole. Oh. That'd be fun. Yes. Go nuts. Could probably, yeah, get some spaghetti and get like a Krispy Kreme donut with like the black bit in the middle, like on a black background and just post <laughs> that. Like new black hole image from the Event Horizon Telescope. We're going to be pumping out all our own memes and weird pictures. And sometimes someone's going to be like, I have no, what, what are they doing? <laughs> like no context. <laughs> oh my God. Well, so, but uh, stars, um, and, you know, the picture is also kind of reminiscent of uh, James Webb has been taking pictures of, you know, like, this is the farthest we've seen so far. And they are usually kind of reddish blobs. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the hydrogen episode. Can you tell us, like, what are the statistical odds that 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 blob, that light source is even really there anymore? Like, is there a, a significant chance that 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 light we're seeing is something that is now gone? I mean, if it's a red dwarf, I think it's still around because those have an insane life expectancy. But if it's any other kind of star, it's possible it's not there. Yeah, I mean, the, the relevant background for uh, for our listeners would be that you know because the universe is so big and all the light that we see is limited in mm-hmm. how fast it can move, right? The speed of light is the kind of universal speed limit. Um, things that are really, really far away, we're not actually seeing them as they are we're seeing mm-hmm. what it looked like when the light left so you know when we look at the moon we're seeing what the moon was like a second ago we look at the sun we're seeing what the sun looked like eight minutes ago and so yeah when we see these dif- distant objects from james webb we're seeing objects as they were billions of years ago and and yeah it's right. like uh, benjamin was saying most stars that are you know really massive and really bright bright enough for us to be able to see uh at you know great distances those massive stars kind of, you know, live fast and die young over millions of years. And it's only the smaller ones that live for billions. So okay. the chances are it's already gone. It's already gone. Really? I remember reading that if you were looking at Earth from, I think, the next closest star to ours, um, you would be seeing the Egyptians building pyramids. That's what you would see through a telescope. If you had like a superpower telescope and you could look at earth it that's like that's what time that time distance traveled or something like I that i think that would maybe be the next over galaxy andromeda maybe the next over um, galaxy okay yeah uh, because alpha centauri yeah is on. like four light years away 
Okay. Right. So. But still, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're like, wow, uh, you know, t- the speed of light is so it seems so fast, but when it's way out there, it's. <laughs> I mean, still... yeah, there's probably a point you could go to that you would basically be able to look back on Earth if you had a good enough telescope and see the dinosaurs. Right. Like, they're, 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 you know, I, like I, I'm, I'm not good with, uh, with prehistoric history. So what dinosaurs are a few hundred million years ago in different periods, I know. But uh, imagine if you had an alien civilization that was living a uh, hundred million light years away. Right. And they looked at us with a you know ideal telescope. They wouldn't see us. They wouldn't see you know people walking around, going to their jobs, and all of the you know great modern civilized things that we have here. Let's see a bunch of giant feathery lizards walking around and say, <laughs> "Damn, I do not want to go anywhere near there." Yeah, that's probably why they haven't visited us yet. Unless, <laughs> unless I don't know. There's you know unless you believe, but <laughs> it's never aliens unless it's aliens. Um, Big it, props actually, are calling dinosaurs feathery too. By the way, that's that's that's, a, uh, that's yeah. important. That's an important yes. thing that we have. We're very scientifically <laughs> accurate here. We have to be. Yes, you guys are, are the space nerds, but we're more than just space. We're like science nerds because I know you. You like rocks and and minerals um, and Maybe. and like yeah. I'm all about. I'm all about all the science. I was actually thinking a good way to wrap this up because talking about light and distances and time and and traveling. Um, I really, really, really kept thinking to myself during the press release of James Webb, uh, what, what Carl Sagan would have thought and what he would have said. And I also was a little bit upset that they, they, they used a quote and I'm going to say a quote loosely of his at the very end of it. And it's actually not a quote that Carl Sagan ever said. So again, for the sake of accuracy for science here, Carl Sagan actually did not ever say Somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. He did not say that. Uh, He said something to the effect of that, but then it was another woman, an author, who kind of summarized and wrote that in a book about talking about Carl Sagan. So I was a little bit disappointed that that had happened. But what do you guys think? um, What do you think Carl would have thought about this? And and what sort of like words would he have said about James Webb? Well, I know when you said something that Carl Sagan never said, he actually never said billions and billions. Um, it's so lie. I thought it's a lie. He he said billions. He said millions, but he never said the famous quote. He never said billions, billions and, billions. and billions. No, but uh, maybe everything, for everything uh, I know is a lie James now. Webb, he would he would have broken it out. I'm sure. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. For this guy, I'll say billions and billions because there's no other way to describe. How incredibly far away these things are that we're seeing. It's quite literally billions and billions tenfold. It's it's huge. Yeah. It, I think I think also like it, it's not just you know the billions of of light years away. It's the billions of objects that we're seeing. I mean that oh, yeah. that one wide field image that was shared mm-hmm. that seemed to have all of these kind of skewed, blurry, different colored lines and and dots. I mean. In that image, you saw some kind of like spiky things that were nearby stars that were just kind of like, you know, photobombing. But all of the other things in those images, which are billions of these different blurs and spots, are galaxies, are distant galaxies that each contain billions of stars and each contain billions of planets. Like that to me is just mind blowing. It is just so, so humbling. And, you know, 
for me, one of the most influential things that Carl wrote was obviously the pale blue dot and highlighting our, our very smallness and insignificance almost of our, of our existence on this tiny point of light in all of this vastness. But he always had this way of kind of making you feel sort of hopeless, but then bringing back that hope and like full circling it. And I, I wish we would have had his thoughts and his words to like, just what you're saying, look at these pictures and know that all of those little points of lights are galaxies and how to, Mm. you know, bring that, bring the eloquence that he was so good at to bring it around and also be like, but isn't that amazing that, you know, we're here and we get to see this and what does it mean? Maybe we will never know, but the fact that we can start looking and we can look out there and see that and be a part of this experience and to know ourselves as the universe knowing itself. I think that, you know, he would have had probably even a better, more eloquent way of saying it than I did, but you know, something to that degree. I really wish he would have been there, but um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, Think about what what would Carl say? What would Carl think in this, be happy. In this moment? He'd be yeah, happy. He would. I was just going to say, I think he'd be so thrilled to see how many science communicators there are. Because like, yeah. keep in mind that when he yeah. was doing his thing, he was, like, in a lot of cases, just shunned by the scientific community. Because, you know, the scientific community was like, no, we do the research, and then we write the papers. And when you get old, you write a textbook. That's pretty much it. This idea of like being a, a, a communicating scientist or, or somebody who is both you know, knowledgeable on the topic and goes out and does public outreach and, and, and you know, does you know, TV appearances and I guess all the online stuff that we have these days, that wasn't heard of. And I, I think that he would shed just like a single happy tear seeing <laughs> that you have billions of of science communicators out there all doing their yeah. own thing, you know, sharing in their right. own unique ways. And I think yeah. that that maybe might be what he focuses on. Oh, he'd be thrilled about that. He that would. He would. Well, hopefully we can talking make about Carl science as a proud. hobby. Yeah. yeah. We, we're we're going to make Carl proud. This has been awesome. And one thing that we wanted to do is kind of give a look ahead at the end of each episode to give you the listener uh, an idea of what to tune in for next week and we definitely definitely are going to be focusing heavily on the upcoming sls artemis launch because that is just Mm -hmm. so exciting and i also will be on my own space case sarah channels be interviewing dr zaburkin again about probably sls and stuff so yeah so we will i know i know so cool I know. So, uh, so that's kind of where my head's going to be. And for you, the listener to know where our head's going to be coming up. Uh, we will definitely, like I said, also have coming in the future giveaways and we're going to get this live stream going. We just have so much that we just cannot wait to unroll for you because without you, this wouldn't be a thing. So thank you to everyone who is listening right now. We appreciate your support so much. As a reminder, you can follow me, Space Case Sarah 22 on social media. You can follow Kavi at Fun Fact Science on all the social media. And you can find Benjamin as either science actually or actually science, depending on who got to that label first on, <laughs> on the social media. And you're listening to the Space Case Sarah show here on iRock Space Radio. So if you guys want to choose a sign off. You can do something like, uh, I don't know, 
I don't know. Now this that's something, that's something we need to come up for. We need, oh, we need to figure the, that uh, out. <laughs> it's a work but, in progress. Yes. <laughs> Space nerds. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Space nerds. Space nerds out. assemble. <laughs> anyway, you're listening like, to... We need a gang sign or something. That says Space nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, like yes, pie. How, how do we do pie as a gang sign? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pie. Oh. <laughs> All right, for now, we are just we're signing out. <laughs> signing out. You've been listening to the Space Case Sarah Show with the Space Nerds, Kavi and Benjamin, a production of iRock Space Radio. Go to iRockspaceRadio.com for more.